Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I am your host, Ray Harkins. And uh, when I do these intros, it's kind of funny because I literally have to move to get myself like pumped and excited. So like I'm just imagine me sitting in front of my computer, talking into a microphone, kind of holding it and sort of spinning around in my my desk chair. Uh, That's just to sort of paint a really, really captivating visual for those of you who want um, who want that. But if you don't, then um, who cares? Just close your eyes and ignore the fact that I ever said that. Anyways, uh, let's dig into some business and then we can talk about the guest this week, uh, propertyofzack.com. They have a great site. You should be visiting it on a very regular basis. You should be checking out their news that they post. You should be checking out their new reviews that they post. You should like them on Facebook. There's a bunch of different stuff that you should be doing with this site. Um, They are a three to four time daily visit for me personally, just to kind of keep up with what's happening. Um, Yeah, so check it out. I highly encourage that, and I'm very happy about our partnership. Next thing, review the show. Uh, I said that we were getting closer and closer to having 100 star reviews on iTunes. I want you, if you haven't done it yet, please do me a solid. Go there, take two seconds, rate it how many ever stars you think, and then even if you want to have that extra level of interaction slash nerdiness, you can review the show. Tell me what you like, what you don't like, because I really do read them, and I really do take those to heart. Um, and I try my best to sort of adapt and change and make sure that whatever it is that I'm producing, you know, will please the most amount of people. Um, and then also visit the website. A lot of you have been emailing recently. When I say a lot, like a handful, five, six, seven of you, uh, which is awesome because I love to have that interaction with people and, you know, make new friends. Cause after all, that's kind of what we're, what we're doing here in the first place, making new friends, having you hang out with people I know or people I don't know that you would like to know. Um, Yeah, anyways, we also, when I say we, the show, will be having a year-end best of list episode. So we will be throwing out the whole interview process and we will, myself and uh, some previous guests of the show will be sitting in a room together and talking about our favorite records of the year. I personally always love the episodes that, or the, the the time of the year where we can talk about our favorite records, um, just because it's so uh, it's so fun to hear what other people's opinions are and to be introduced to hopefully some new music that you might not have ever checked out in the first place. So um, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to post that, but it will be before the Christmas holiday. So be prepared. Get your pen and paper out and take furious notes and uh, I'll play some music from some of the stuff that uh, we recommend. And uh, yeah, my guest this week, Mark Beamer from Shirts for a Cure. Uh, Some of you may have seen his stuff out there. He's a pretty well-known nonprofit machine in the sense of uh, they've been around for 10 or so years. They've been around for a long time. Um, And Mark is the head honcho i don't even know if you call the head person of a uh, non-profit a ceo i don't even know what label he puts himself because i don't think he labels himself as anything but um i've known the guy for a while met him i don't know the early aughts as they say 
um, and just immediately thought he was awesome. He's just very straightforward dude. Um, was we got introduced by basically busting each other's chops. Like I saw he was wearing a, uh, I think it was a turning point t-shirt. I can't remember exactly, but we just started jabbing each other. Um, he took jabs at me for, uh, working for the nonprofit organization that I do. And, you know, we, we just make fun of each other in a very loving and positive way. Um, and so I just always really respected the work and still respect the work that he does. And it's awesome that, he is able to not only sell a lot of shirts for the cause and the organization, um, but in turn to be able to get kids, when I say kids, you know, younger people to just start to get introduced to independent music into something larger than themselves. Because I think ultimately, you know, when people look at independent music and are say, you know, what's the difference between, you know, this band and this mainstream band? Because um, obviously there's a lot of, the lines have been blurred over the years, but ultimately what I always go back to is the fact that independent music has some sort of pulse, has the wherewithal and, you know, some people, some people might say intelligence, however you'd like to label it, that they, they care about something. They stand for something. Um, because obviously you see a lot of the music that is out there, um, you know, from the sort of top 40, mainstream audience music um which i mean i personally love as well but that's just on a very sonic level you know people like whatever taylor swift all that type of stuff um you know she's addressing her emotions and obviously what she goes through in her life but um you know she's not really taking any definitive controversial stands um but anyways i digress independent music has a pulse it has that sort of undercurrent of this is not right in the world and i am doing something to change it in some way shape or form oh there's a drinking game anytime i say some way shape or form people take a shot um but yeah so anyways i just get excited when i see purveyors of giving a shit trying to pass the give a shitness on to uh you know younger people who may just kind of stumble into this music scene and are like oh this is cool but um they want to get attached more and then they get introduced to an organization like shirts for a cure and go that's exactly what i want to do that's exactly what i want to spend my money on want to help donate to whatever so um yeah long-winded intro but uh here's my chat with mark i met up with him at the fest in florida this is one of a series of interviews i did while i was down there in the likes of which i will be bringing to you over the next few weeks I had him up in my hotel room, which sounds kinky, but it definitely wasn't uh, as kinky as uh, you might think, because basically all we did was talk into a digital recorder. So um, yeah, that's that. And uh, I hope you enjoy the interview and I will talk to you once it's over. All right, here you go. memory in regards to running across you i don't know if you remember where because we first met when i was on tour with alexis on fire and i want to say it was new jersey was it philly yeah oh it was jersey or philly and i just remember um 
because I mean, you, it, the organization had only been around for you know maybe two or three years, if that. And so I knew its existence, but I had no idea like who you were mm-hmm. as a physical being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I just remember I can't even. I think it was. Uh, I think I either made a comment on your turning point shirt or something. Okay. And then we just started like, we immediately just started busting each other's balls. Of course. <laughs> oh, okay. Do I do remember? I think that you were on. Wasn't it the um. Alexis Hot Water yeah. Moments and Grace tour. Yes, right. Yes, no, it, that, it was New Jersey. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the Sayreville Ballroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just it, it was funny because it's like certain people I feel like I need to work up to to be like, all right, here's their level of like busting ballsness. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was, I don't know for you, it was just immediately like, oh no, this guy can take it. like, <laughs> and because it, it was like we just started throwing it back and forth to each other immediately, yeah. and I was like, that's like that's, that's fun. Yeah. Oh. That was a fun little small tour there. Yeah, it was very fun. Um, but and so that that impression left me with was just like, oh, like because I think anytime you deal with obviously like a serious issue, like and people have preconceived notions of that mm-hmm. and preconceived notions of the person that's behind that. Of course, you'd be like, oh yeah, Mark, like he's pretty serious, oh, no. pretty somber. Don't, like don't mess around that guy. Yeah, like cancer. Like, can- cancer's pretty serious. You know? right. <laughs> no, I and I, I know that. I mean. What I went through was devastating, of course. But of course. you have to, for me, I, you had I had to get beyond it as soon as I could. Right. Because it did, I didn't want to wallow. Right. Sure, I'll admit naming what I did for the what I'm doing for the past twelve years in her name, in some respect, maybe I wouldn't say wallowing. Right. I mean, when I first started the foundation, I never imagined it would last eleven years. Of course not. But. And, 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 you know, when I originally started it, I was like, okay, how can I keep her name around somehow? I was right. too young to deal with grief and stress. And I was like, okay, I'll start a foundation or an action an endowment. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, just to keep her name around, we'll throw some money in it and see what happens. And when I first started the raising the money, I started raising it where she was treated at Georgetown University. Right. And they're like, okay, great. We encourage you to do this, but to have a named endowment, you have to have 50 grand. I was like, Never gonna do. You're like, oh, I just have that right here. Yeah, exactly. I'm never gonna do that. <laughs> right. Um, but and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll try. So I, I threw, threw my hat in the ring, and you know, initially it was I put all my energy into it because I had nothing else to put my energy into. Right. It was um, right there, right in front of you. Right. Exactly. And you know, I it, it was something that I. I had nothing else to do. I, I yeah. She she was working for AOL at the time, and AOL actually meant something at the time. Right. And so there was a significant amount of life insurance money, so I didn't have to work. Yeah. And so I just put all my energy into it, but not really knowing how to do it. So it's oh, kind yeah. of floundering. And it was like, all right, you know, people have done this before. I'll do the same thing. Yeah. And then, so the first couple of years was kind of oh, first year was kind of like you know doing the generic foundation charity <laughs> thing, and it didn't. Wasn't me. No, it didn't feel right. No. So, I started becoming. I, I started. I, I kept the energy and intensity, but loosened up a bit, and started doing something just whatever I like. Yeah. And throwing a, a, a fundraising spin on it. Right. And um, I mean that's how the shirts came came about. You right. Know, going to shows when we young when we were younger, and I'm even older than you. So when I even when I was younger, right, right. It, it uh, it was all about 
course the event and hanging out, but also getting the extra large T-shirt. It was only, it was only extra large. No, 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 no. Yeah, dude. I, that's when, what... when the first person who asked me, asked me what size I wanted, I just kind of looked at him. Like, what do you mean what size? It's right. One size. It's extra large. I know. I, I I anytime I clean out my closet and I just you know if I'm going from size to size if I'm like all right I'm a large now or all right I'm a medium now and just looking back at my old shirts and just like you know when you're 15 that's what you did like you bought extra large shirts but then I'm like. There just wasn't an option. Like I think there's maybe large and extra large, but yeah. Well, if you were lucky, if, the, if it was a, if it was a, like the first band I saw who actually understood merch was Instead. Their oh, their yeah. last tour, they went on. They, they they brought I think seven or eight designs, and they made so much money in merch alone. Yeah, I mean I know that they all bought SUVs when they got home. It was like that. That was like the, 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 the that, that was the word on the street. That was the yeah. East Coast legend of this West Coast band. But I, I, remember, I saw them like three or four times on that tour, and I was just like amazed of the merch wall that they brought. Right. Looking back, it was probably you know not that impressive for what they have, what people bring out now. But right, right. That was the first band that didn't have just like a dirty box of shirts in their garage for a, a couple of weeks right. before they brought it up. Like tour. a total afterthought. They're like, oh, we need shirts. Who can print them? Right. Who's at art school? Right jo- now? Johnny down the street. Yeah, exactly. Um, so where were you? Uh, like born and raised? Always on the East Coast? Mm-hmm. I, I won't. Well, I was. Um, I was born in Palo Alto, out in California. Oh, I didn't know that. Both my parents are grad students at uh, Stanford. Okay. And oh, you come. Uh, you come from a very smart family. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> and uh, so we lived there for a year. Moved to Taiwan for a couple of years. My dad was. Uh, a Chinese doctoral candidate. Oh wow! We moved, to, we were, we were in Thailand for this small bit, uh-huh. and then eventually, after a couple of hops here and there, I ended up in DC. Okay. And grew up in DC. Moved there. We were there in the late seventies, and I was there all the way through high school. So those were like essentially DC was what you kind of view as your formative oh, years. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being from DC, you know, I was spoiled with music. Um, my first show ever was uh, Government Issue, Marginal Man, and the Slippy Boys. And after that, it was just like, oh, this is what life is about. Right. Or it just opened your eyes. You know, yeah. you, you had the same, whatever, what, it doesn't matter who you are, you always have that same experience. You you go to something on, you know, either by accident right. or because someone drags you to it mm-hmm. or like on a whim, like, oh, I'll, te- I'll check this out. Right. Mine was Rock Against Apartheid. And... It was uh, something my high school put on. Okay. And you know, some hip kid had all his friends' bands play. Yeah. And we were we were all went there to support the cause. And I was like, wow. And it wasn't government issue, and it wasn't Slicky Boys. It was marginal because they're my age. Right. And it was like these kids up sta- on stage playing this raw energy. And mm-hmm. up until that point, I was all about metal, you know, and Cliff Burton. And that, that whole world was me. Really? And, and, and I loved it. But yeah. I was starting to wane out a little bit because it was it started at you know, in the in the mid eighties it started to become a little more at the Motley Crue world. Well, yeah, of course, it started to shift it from the you know the thrash metal right. into glam metal, right? And, and, I, and yeah. I started to and, and the thrash metal became more dark, and I just didn't want I, I wanted to stay with Metallica and Maiden, and right? They they. they they would always, you know, they would disappear for years and go on album cycle. Right? Yeah. So you need to fill a void. And so right. when I first saw Marginal Man, I was this is it. Right. And I remember the next day, I didn't know where to buy the record. The next day I went to <laughs> Tower Records, which is, you know, right down, right 
not down, right, right down on 20th, and it's gone now, but uh-huh. 20th and Pennsylvania. And I was like, oh, Marshall, I gotta find it. I found not the Discord, but the one that put out afterwards that was mm-hmm. on Giant, I think. Yeah, yeah. And um, I played that constantly. Yeah, and it was just like, and then that record opened up a world, right? Of course, and and you know, I didn't really explore that world for probably another year or so, but it it just took off. Yeah, how did so was music? Because like you said, you got into metal. Like, do you have any brothers or sisters? I have two sisters, younger. Uh huh. Um, so you were the you were the you were the oldest. Yes, uh, my middle sister was into the Alarm and, and oh, that okay. that kind of world, more like you know. Uh, underground, but not punk at all. You right. Know, the alarm, no one could ever consider punk. Maybe at the time, because of what they dressed like. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe um, in aesthetics. Right, right, right. You know, Joy Division, New Order, that whole world. Sure, sure. So, a very suburban take on what the, what was going on anymore. Got it. Uh, but it, that never influenced me. I, you know, she was my sister. Like, like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you don't care. You're like, you do you. my younger sister, you know? Right, right, right. There's no way that you could bite her style and, and feel good about it. <laughs> the uh, And so... Did music play a part of like you know your your parents like you know did they listen to it and were like very much so it okay was, it was when I was growing up we had a of course we had a turntable nice and an old Olsen and and um, it was uh, it was something that I would always sit around mm-hmm. listening to to music it was always my parents my, my parents records my parents. Where they weren't hippies, but mm-hmm. they they went to school in San Francisco during that that time right. period. So they were influenced by that world. And my dad, at for a short period of time, booked shows of the film one. Very no, not yeah. Them, promoted shows of the film one. Sure, Very, but he had a connection to the arts. Right. right. So he had a stack of of these the original like Led Zeppelin avocado posters and all those things. Wow. So, sitting around the house, and I didn't know what those meant until no. years later. But <laughs> though. Um, because of that, I, we had he had quite a vinyl collection, and I would mm-hmm. go through it. And, and uh, Janis Joplin's um, Cheap Thrills record, okay, the car, had the cartoons on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't remember, but it's um, I used to listen to that constantly, just because I, I used to listen to that all the time because because of the cover, of course. So I was always drawn to music in, in two respects: the music, mm-hmm. and, but also the aesthetically. Of course. You know, um, and one of my favorite records was the Stanford University Marching Band. And, uh-huh. it's, and it wasn't just because of the music. It was because they had these great photographs of the tubas on the on the cover. Oh, sure. And at that time period, you know, in late late 60s, early 70s, you could paint your tuba any way you wanted. So all these, like, really psychedelic tubas. Right. And there was, well, there was a black and red one. I don't remember. The, they were, I thought they were just the coolest things in the world because these, right. these kids are decorating their own tubas. Right. Thinking back now, it's totally foolish, but it was awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, when you're a kid, you see something like that, right. and that, that's obviously what is so interesting about you know how when you're so obviously when you're so young, you're su- super impressionable, and those little things can obviously stick with you for years. Where you're like, that was awesome, yeah. and it's like you know you now you look at that cover and be like, well, yeah, that was. Well, you know, I, okay, I, I think that if I saw something similar, I would not be impressed. But I think that if I saw something. If I saw that exact one, I'd be jazzed. Oh, you know? of course, right, um, right, right. So yeah, we, I, so those those records, and then uh, the Beatles records, mm-hmm. because that was that era, of course. Uh, and then it just kind of like it grew from there. I started to to reach out and figure out my own style, mm-hmm. um, and I remember I saved up my money 
I was and I needed, I wanted to buy my own uh, cassette tape. It was, sure. it was it was like half a box. It was like one speaker, not two speakers. Right, right, right. And um, <laughs> so there was one speaker and uh, a cassette tape. So it was radio, AM and FM. Of course. And cassette tape, and it was forty two bucks. I had to save. Right. And uh, my dad and I went to went to Best and Company, a local department store. Sure. Best. And uh, I bought my cassette. And I bought my cassette player. Radio also, and then we uh, there was a Peaches, which is a music store at that time. Okay, and I bought a uh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts cassette tape. Incredible, and that that opened my my world to to the er, you know, early to to metal essentially. Even though yeah, you know, but Joan Jett was not metal. No, but, but she, she had she, she had an attitude. Right, 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 exactly. She had a foot in that world. Of course, and it just kind of grew from there. ACDC. Uh, going to see them, and my first live concert mm-hmm. um, was Iron Maiden and Twisted Sister. That's so, incredible. Yeah, did that, your Did your dad take you? My dad dropped dropped you off. Actually, you know, wait, didn't my that was my first experience that it was my choice. Right. Uh, we had gone to concerts before, but it was always because my parents wanted Vor- to go, yeah, yeah, or yeah. they were like, "Let's do this together." Right. Which is great, of and I, I encourage that. But my first choice was like, "I'm going to see Iron Maiden." That's incredible. It was the Cap Center, <laughs> the, the mighty Cap Center, eighteen thousand people. That's awesome. Um, and, so, and so then, as you were as you were making, so like you were in high school, you sort of just started, like you said, transitioning out from you know being. Like, did you have long hair? Were you like super metal dude? No, or I you actually, just... I couldn't grow my hair long. It was all just a big fro. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it just grew out as it yeah, was down. <laughs> if I could have grown it down, I would have. You would have, yeah. But yeah. all my friends did. Uh-huh. Uh, like, and I, I went to a private school for three years for okay. seven, eight, and nine. And okay. There were, it was a private high private school that well, it was sold to my parents inappropriately. They sold they sold them to them as a way to you know. Get kid, give kids a leg to, leg up, but it was all, mostly it was a high school, it was a it was a private school for kids who couldn't get into all the elite private school. But we didn't know that, and, oh, and it's funny because it was just like a bunch of assholes, and then kids like us <laughs> right. who were, you know, to use the phrase from suburbia, the rejected. Right, and right. there was uh, you know kids who who were shy. Smart, but couldn't really apply themselves. Sure. So it was like myself, and then my lifelong. I met all my lifelong friends there. Okay. Who weren't the assholes who couldn't get into elite private schools, but who were sold on the school for other reasons. Right. And we just destroyed that place, and we all ended up getting either kicked out or leaving <laughs> our own. Not one of us ever graduated for it. So I ended up going. So I went from there right. to public high school, and then when I went to public high school. There were people who had long hair and like who actually were living the metal world, and I was like, "Yes, right, I will gravitate towards exactly you." Exactly right, and and so you know, I, I you know learned the magic of Ingving Momstein, you know, like yeah, that yeah. whole world instantly, and and you know the it was just I never know I I never grew my hair out, couldn't do it, but metal is my world, and sure. then when I started leaving the metal world, I just I fell into punk. Got local DC hardcore, and right? It was just well, yeah, because it's right there in your backyard. And so, you, you're would you classify your high school experience as definitely, um, like you said, you know, you were you were part of the quote unquote fringes, so to speak, where yeah. it's like, yeah, you weren't you weren't you know homecoming king and doing all that yeah. stuff. No, I mean, I, I did those things. I right, homecoming king. No, right, but I did those things, but <laughs> on on my own terms. Sure, you know? sure. So it was, uh, 
you felt comfortable yeah, with that. And it was right. like, yeah, you weren't, you weren't, um, you know, excluding yourself from these things, but you're like, yeah, I'll right. do this because like my friends are going or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was all about, it was all about friends. Yeah, you know? of course. Of course. And, um, you know, I, I went to, yeah, we grow up in that area. You know, we were spoiled you know, right. because of the music that you could see and, uh, the people who I went to high school with, you know, Jeff Turner went to high school with me. Jeff Turner went on to be in Senator Flux and he was in Grey Matter and, and other bands like that. And, and mm-hmm. you know, so he would bring elements of that of that world into our school. And Got it. Uh, when he and a couple of his friends did the Mies the Pig poster all over DC, he, oh. he did it all. He did it on our high school as well. And he just. So, anyway. So, yeah, music was always king for me. Sure, sure. And so. Um... In, in high school, and that sort of as the idea of, because I mean, obviously, you're supposed to start to, quote unquote, figure out what you want to do with your life. Um, and like, did you, you know, did you apply yourself? Were you a good student? Or did you kind of just like coast by? I I applied myself. I, sure. I didn't get the best grades, but I, it was mostly, I, I, I'm a terrible test taker. I always knew the concept, and I was always in advanced classes, but I always get by in the advanced classes. And, and Got it. It was mostly because I wanted to, I wanted to be in the, I didn't want to be, I, I wanted to be in the advanced classes even though it was hard and a right. struggle. So I, I did it my, the best I could. Sure. The classroom work and, you know, the effort, effort grades are always great, but the, the actual academic grades are not the best because... I just can't take a test. I mean, I... Yeah, the, like the anxiety behind it? Yeah, anxiety. Yeah. And I bet now if, if I had to take a test, I would probably fail it. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 it's... There are a lot of, lot of people out there who just can't take a test. It's and, and, totally. Yeah, especially... You know, you know the concepts, you've studied hard, but you get there and you draw a blank or... Of course. So, yeah, I, you know, I did as well as I could. Yeah, and, yeah. And... Didn't you have an idea of what you kind of wanted to sort yeah, of? I didn't. I had no idea what I wanted to do with life. Right. I, I I knew that I knew what I didn't want to do with a life. I did, I didn't want to sit in a. I didn't want to sit at an office. In a cubicle. In a cubicle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to sit at a desk. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to have an in and out box on my desk. Right. I remember that distinctly. Don't want the in and out box. And, <laughs> I, it's, um, and it's and it's it's so funny that that's like. I mean that that concept like that still exists, but it's like you know if you told oh, like such a, an eighties thing, right? right? Like yeah. if you told like a sixteen or seventeen right. old kid, like yeah, there's an inbox now. They're like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, paper, paperwork, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's paper, that's funny. Yeah, that? totally in an outbox. Yeah. So yeah. I went off to university. I I went to a small school in Vermont for my first year just because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't. I knew I didn't want to stay at home. I didn't want to get a job. I wanted to go off and experience university. But I right. didn't. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went to a small college in Vermont because I love Vermont and I knew that if it wasn't going to work out, I, I wasn't going to You at least yeah, right. enjoyed the surroundings. I was in a place that I wanted to be. <laughs> right. And while there, I, you know, I, I I didn't really, I, mean, I guess I didn't really educate myself about the, the, the college before I went there and it became very much obvious that it was very much a local school right and not local but like state yeah and it sure was, sure so it was myself and a couple other people who were from lower east coast and and then mostly a, a bunch of uh vermont locals which is fine it just right. wasn't for me though so right. we I, I i really immersed myself in music and and more than right. i had before and, and mail order was my favorite person in the world and i just yeah. uh you know anything that looked relatively cool I would order it at that at that point it was all about aesthetics because yep. 
you couldn't hear the sound. You could sample it. Right. No, it's you based sample. off you, you read the description. You said, "Wow, that sounds cool." They right. compare it to certain right. bands, exactly, or if certain labels. Yep. Put out inst- you just insta buy. You know? Of course, you're like, "Oh yeah, this Discord put it out. Of right. course, I'll buy it." Of course. I the mean, um, like, and so like, did your uh, was your relationship with your parents like during high school as you were obviously getting into you know because I mean every parent struggles with the idea of their kid getting into something that they don't understand. And so like, did, were they you know as you were going to shows and stuff, were they kind of like. What is what's Mark doing? Like you know, they honestly they they just wanted me to be happy and safe, and okay. they would drive me and, and drop me off and, and pick cool. me up, and 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 then or you know I I would I would I would always have a curfew, but and they would always wait up well secretly wait up for me, um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also because I grew up in a, in a loving family, I never I never wanted to break that trust, so I always come home. Yeah, for curfew, and and or you know if if I stayed at my friend's house, I knew that I could you know stay out later. But I also you know I wasn't breaking anything. You know, it, yeah, it was. It's so it's so funny that because I have a similar experience with my my family, and I like I wish I could just tell teenagers like you'll be given a longer leash to do shit mm-hmm. if you just like show a modicum of respect. Like right. if you just like you said, where it's like okay, like I, these rules are set forth. I'll live by these parameters and like, you know, you'll know how to bend them and like still have fun and still accomplish what you're trying to do. But it's like so many kids, like, you know, the minute they have that teen angst of being 15 and fuck you parents. And it's like, you're going to have a hard high school. <laughs> exactly. Because I mean, I, I could basically do anything I wanted yeah. to a point. And right. it's because of the, the, the experiences I had up until I started asking for certain things. Right. You built that trust. Right. 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 I also, I, I wasn't a wild kid. You know, I, I, yeah. I, did what I wanted, but I also wasn't going out, and, you know. Yeah, slamming heroin. <laughs> or I wasn't out doing graffiti, you know. I wasn't yeah. out doing vandalism. I, I was out hanging with my friends in a safe environment that, right? sure, we were the bosses of that environment. But of course. But it was a safe environment. Right, you're going to diners and, you know, yeah. messing around and having food fights. and <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. Um, and so then as you were, uh, so like, what were you trying to study in college? Like, were you... Well, I, I initially, um, I, I did, well, in my first year, I was like, well, let's try business out. And I, I, I love the economic classes. I, I like okay. macro and microeconomics, and, and I did quite well in the classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really didn't know how to apply them to my world. Yeah. I, I knew the not. Like, I they had, knew the concepts. Right, I knew the yeah. concepts, and I was just kind of like, this is awesome, but it's all theory. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I knew that I had to get out of this small little school in Vermont. Right. So I, I applied to the University of Wisconsin and to, oh, okay. essentially to row, because I rowed in high school. I oh, was, I didn't know that. I was quite, I was quite good at it. And I really wanted to get back into that world, you know, be myself, but still compete in, right. in some sort so of So basically, basically your, your freshman year of college, you didn't row. I did, they, cause they didn't offer the program. Right, right. So, and I, I. I didn't really think I would miss it, but I felt that I was, you know, after like for half a year of school, I felt that I was missing that element. Right. And, and you know, I, I, later in life, I feel I would fill that element with some other things besides rowing, but um, at that point, I knew that I was missing something. Uh-huh. So I applied to Wisconsin, got into it, and um, joined, joined the crew team. But it just, you know, after I, after, I mean, I, okay, I loved Wisconsin. Yeah. I loved going to school there, so I never regret anything. But... I, I never, I didn't really follow through on the crew. I, I joined the team. Yep. Did 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 everything I could do to be part of the team, but it 
it was very elitist. It was, and it became your major essentially. Yeah. Like it, you 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 give them four years and then go for a fifth year so you make up all the classes that you had to miss because. You know, you're on this cruise, and right. Wisconsin was always national championship. Right, right. It's, it's a, a very serious program. Yeah, it's a yeah. very serious program. They have elite coaches, and 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 I and I loved my short term on it, but it just it turned out, you know, it wasn't for me. I wanted to have a university experience beyond athletics, right, and beyond the NCAA rules, and I I just. Yeah, it did. It wasn't. It wasn't a right fit. Right. I didn't drink, of course, and I was still straight edge, and 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 it just wasn't. My world, right, and so I, you know, I well, yeah, it, it's the the concept and idea of a kid, you know, essentially a punk rock kid into rowing, like you know, that in and of itself, like, doesn't you know make sense. Right. Well, it made sense. I mean, it made sense in high school, right, and and it made sense a little bit, but not to the level that they wanted. Sure, and I just so it just wasn't for me. Right, right, right. But but because of that, you know, I was able to. Well, I mean, I. I I, I met a lot of great people my first year in yeah. school, mm-hmm. and then those people became my people right. throughout the, my the rest of my experience there at University of Wisconsin. And then um, I ended up starting to book shows there, uh-huh. and, and uh, I booked an Instead show there. Nice. Um, and uh, I did a Murphy's Law show there. I did a lot of. Um, I mean, I tried to bring the experiences that I had uh-huh. to the Midwest. Not really like doing the math and thinking about it but getting getting to Wisconsin is pain in the ass yeah, is. for most bands right. and even now yeah. and, and <laughs> most bands get to Chicago and maybe go to Minneapolis right. but they're not they're not stopping in Milwaukee they're not stopping in Madison no. so when I started asking bands to stop in Wisconsin and stop in, in Madison um, you know it, they were most people were like no but some people, <laughs> yeah. some people would, and I would always be embarrassed because there wouldn't be a big draw, right. even though they were huge on the coasts. Yep, you always battled the Midwest curse. Exactly, and you know, <laughs> but I was like I said, I was too young yeah. and hadn't had that experience before, so I was just kind of like, Ass. well, yeah, you were just. I mean, your enthusiasm was driving the fact that it's like, well, I mean, it's a big city. Like, right. here we go. Like, I'm putting great bands in front of you, people, and yeah, it's definitely. Tough to right. match up those visions, right? So such is life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, as you're transitioning, like you know, through through college and everything, um, you know, what what did what spoke to you in regards to like, okay, like this is what I sort of want to set my course for? Or was it like after, once music had sort of you're like, I just want to do something with music? Well, I I I knew that because you never strike me as like because you know people that go through like that start to experience music like you do, um, you know, a lot of them have that sort of knee-jerk reaction where it's just like, oh, like, I want to work in the music industry, like this. And right. you've never struck me as that. No, I, I, I've i always brought the same attitude to everything. Like, uh-huh. I'm going to do it my way. And if my way isn't what they want, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll do something else. But right. I'm not going to do it your way. Right. And... And that's why I always gravitated towards Ian and what he built. Because when he built it, there were no rules for what you did because he invented it. He right. invented those rules. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. sure, he looked at SST and, and, and what Black Flag was doing. And right, he, there were influences, but they right. were all at the same level. Right, right, right. right, right. But, but he took that idea and built a world out of it. Yeah. And 
so I, I obviously never went that far, but I, I, I always wanted to do, a, I, I know I always wanted to do what I wanted to do, but on my own own terms. Sure. So sure. because I was always into the aesthetics of, of music, mm -hmm. I, um, I got given a camera one year and uh, decided, hey, maybe I'll start bringing it to the shows. Yeah. And I, I started working for the newspaper in, in the University of Wisconsin. I okay. loved it. And I, and I was like, maybe this is, this is where I need to be. Sure. So I did everything I could to, uh, to be that person. And, and once I finished up in Wisconsin, I went off to the School of Visual Arts oh, okay. in Manhattan for, for two years and uh, got a degree, degree there as well. And I, it, it, everything I learned at Wisconsin, and all the the contacts I made and everything, and, and taking all that volume up, and then moving to Manhattan, it you know it let me grow. But mm -hmm. all the everybody I that I knew from high school either lived in New York or right. traveled to New York constantly. So I took all of those friends and you know made a big monster. Right, and, uh, right. and so, so once I moved to New York, I, I grew, I, I lived, moved in with two high school friends, and uh, and went to start going to school, and it just became well, start going to visual arts school. Right, I had to go to school, but you know, we we joined our, we we formed our own little. No, that's, I can't say I formed my own crew because we didn't. Right, we just be we had a group of friends. Of course, that we just did everything together with. Right, it was the Mariansky brothers. It was Scoots, it was Daly, it was Lenny, it was that whole crew that went on to be Texas and went on to do uh, Just Brazil. Right. All those guys, you know, that we used to hang out together constantly. Right when they moved to New York, and when, when, when Brian was still in high school, he would come into the city for shows. Uh -huh. So we would go to the wetlands all the time. And sure. I would always bring my camera. I would always have my camera with me. And right. it just became my excuse to go see music. Yeah. Because after a while, you know, X, Y, and Z were in bands, so they went to they they were there because they're the band. And I always felt I never felt like a fifth wheel, but I always wanted. I'm very antsy. Uh -huh. I have to do something. I can't just sit there and watch a band. I can do that, but I I, I it's want not your first choice. no. It's not yeah. like, right. I, I want to do something more. So right. I brought a camera along and started to really have that experience and, and sure. You know, it turns out I'm actually quite good at this. Right. So I started doing it more and more. And then I would start doing it um, when someone asked me to do it. Or I would show them the photographs that I took. And they'd be like, oh, check this out, you know. And I never sold them. I just gave them. and Because and, um, that's what you did back then. You yeah, know? yeah, and, yeah. And the budgets were such a joke. And maybe they'd give you 25 bucks <laughs> after you spent like $300 in development and printing costs. In dark rooms, yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. And like, here's 25 bucks. I'm like, awesome. You're like, cool. I yeah. can have dinner, I guess. Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, I, because... Because of that, I started to go on tour, and, and I went on a nationwide tour with Worlds Collide, and I did a European tour with Battery, and their first European tour, and that was wild. That's right amazing. after the wall had fallen, and it was, wow. well, a couple of years, sorry. A couple yeah, of years but after, still, but yeah, yeah. And it, it wasn't... In retrospect, a couple of years. It, right, it, of it course. Was, and it was still, most of the shows that we did for, were weirdly were in the former East... Eastern, uh, Eastern Bloc, Eastern Bloc, East Germany, yeah. And um, I, I remember being so cold on that tour, never being able to warm up because there was no one had heat. And and the, 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 we played a lot of squats, and they would have these weird like 
you start to use those like a flame blower. Right. That no, there's no safety involved. Right. It's right. Just a big flame. It's just open flame. Of, right. Can right. coming out of this um, <laughs> butane Betty, and we were all trying to warm ourselves. <laughs> yeah. But, be, but because of my camera, I just started to uh, get asked to do certain things, and just kind of always being at shows because of because of my friends because. Of, Right, right, because, yeah, because, the yeah, obviously, it's like when you travel with people and you become, like, these, I mean, not a, a crew in the, per, you know, in the pejorative right. sense of the term, but just, right. like, yeah, those ex, those opportunities expand because they're like, oh, yeah, like, Mark, like, dude, let's have him do some photos. Like, let's right. bring him along. Um, so when did your, when did your, uh, your first relationship in regards to, obviously, the, when the foundation and everything, like, when did that all kind of transpire? Like, when did that happen? You mean Sorrentha? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I met Sorrentha... Um, at the University of Wisconsin. Got it. And she worked in the ad department, and I worked at the, in the, I was the photo editor of the, sure. the, of the, the Daily Cardinal, as they call it. Okay. Um, and we just hit it off, mm-hmm. and we dated. Uh, but when I moved to New York, the long-term, long-term relationship, especially when you're that young. So hard. Work, yeah, yeah. Work. So, and... I don't think any, not, either of us were really willing to make it work. We, plus, financially, we couldn't. You know, right. we, we could barely pay our rents, let alone you know, <laughs> buy some plane flights. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Travel, and, and that time, traveling was very expensive. I mean, sure. And it, you know, sure, it's not all that cheap now, but it's a lot cheaper than it was then. Yep, yep. Like we're expected. So it's, so it because of that, it just you know it didn't work out. So it kind of fizzled. Right. But later. I guess third year in New York, I just I felt that you know there was something there, right? And, uh, and I hadn't been looking in New York; I hadn't been trying, you know, right? Just, you know, because all about hardcore, right? Know? Yeah, you weren't a man on the town; yeah. you weren't hitting the clubs. Yeah, no, man, it was all about <laughs> going to music, of and course. At that time period, women didn't go, or if they did, they were all about chicks up front, and they weren't interested in dudes. I mean, they could have been, but they just. That's right, that wasn't their were. priority. That right? wasn't right. right. Their priority was about kicking boys in the shins and yeah. being up front, which right. is great, awesome, more power to you. But right. Anyway, so it. it uh, I went back for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, um, but we started talking again, and it just it happened. You know, it just um, I, when I, I I felt like well, when I was living in New York, I loved living in New York. I went to school there finished my school day at school in there. I had a great time. All my friends were there. Mm-hmm. Um, but after school, after a year out of school, most people started to scatter a right. little bit. Yeah. And, um, find jobs find, or well, whatever. Jobs. It's... He needs a job. All right. But, uh, so they, they started kind of like, you know, migrating towards what they want to do. Some people uh-huh. stayed in Jersey and would let come into the city less. Um, uh, one of my roommates, Tim Owen, moved to Delaware to really finally make J-Tree his priority. At that time, J-Tree was not a priority, but they were still putting records out. But he moved to Delaware, and you know, him and Darren really made J-Tree. Yeah, moving, focal point, sure, right, exactly. To, to become what it, what it would be. Um, and then uh, Tolliver moved into Manhattan, and you know, I was stuck with two roommates that I didn't really know. Because they, you know, when you move out of a group house at that time, you find someone, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, you, you, you got you got to find someone quick. So of course, because they give you three days, because, right? Yeah, and so you are not always looking at the the most logical choice, right? The long term, <laughs> right? So I just decided that it was not for me, and if I really wanted to do photojournalism, I 
can't do it in the city because I'm not the best of the best yet. Right. So I had to go out and find my, you know, to, to I had to leave the city to grow my craft if I wanted to return to a city, any right. city, and become the elite. So I'm sure. I applied to every newspaper in the Northeast. Just anywhere I wanted to be in the Northeast. I didn't want to go anywhere in the Midwest. Between Pennsylvania and Denver, nothing there. Right, right, right. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I moved to New Hampshire, Laconia, New Hampshire, small little town. Okay. Weir's Beach. They have a big bike thing there every year. Okay. Bike week. Uh, and I was the photographer for the newspaper there, and I loved it. And oh, okay. It was the best job I've ever had. That's but cool. Making $13,000 a year. Right. Very hard to live on, and they said uh, they they pay you that little because a they can get away with it, and b they can trap you there because they pay you enough to live in right. the environment and live okay, but not not enough to save money. Right. So you can actually move on to the next <laughs> right, right, step right. in your career <laughs> that they specifically calculated. Like yeah, exactly. this will keep the person right, right. here. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's my thought. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not true. But that's how I looked at it. No, I mean it's true. Right. There's there's probably some thought process behind that. Yeah. So I was there for a year, year and a half, and I and uh, you know I had rekindled my relationship with Sorrentha to mm-hmm. a point, and um, she was moving to Minneapolis to okay. go to grad school, and. I was really starting to not like this. This I loved the photography, but not like the situation. Right, right. So um, we decided to make a go of it mm-hmm. and move together to Minnesota. Um, so she well, so we did it. Right. And while she went to grad school, I uh, worked at a studio. Got um, it. A, a digital photography studio at that time. Digital photography was mm-hmm. was all about slow. It was like it was essentially a, a, a scanner strapped to the back of a floor for so everything was moved really slowly. So it was all stills. Okay. Nothing moving. Sure. And so I did that and shot shows as much as I could. Right. And that was during the time you know, all about basement shows or seventh street entry or um, that that whole world uh, right. was really exploding. Which was great because I saw a lot of great shows, and sure. when, and whenever my friends would come through town, you know I would always they always stay at my place and hang out with them, and, and I would take photographs of, of you know, either portraits during the day and then live shots at night, and yeah, uh, so it was great to have them come through, and I, you know, grew my relationship with Sarintha, right, um, and after grad school she started working for the small little organization called America Online. Right. And that's what it was at that time. It yeah, was of course. It was a startup. Little, right, right, right. right. A small, strange, essentially web portal. Yeah. Because people didn't know what the World Wide Web was. No. They needed someone to hold their hand. And AOL was willing to hold their hand. Totally. And so she started working at the local office in Minneapolis. And then after a year or so, they asked her to move to the, the corporate office in Washington, D.C. And I was like, yes, done. Yeah, yeah. you're like, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so we moved back, and we lived in northern Virginia, uh-huh. uh, uh, inside the Beltway, so it's still considered D.C. Yeah, yeah. Uh, D.C. is funny. If you, look, if you look at it, it's a diamond. Yeah. With the bottom section cut out, because Virginia took their section back. Right. It's really weird. But anyway, so we lived in that section, so legally Virginia, but... <laughs> right. But me- it's... Mentally uh, D.C. Right, 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 right. But uh, so we, we lived there, and, you know, I... I rekindle things with my high school friends a bit right um, everybody had moved on and all the battery kids had scattered and, and brian was living in boston at the time and, uh-huh. and ken was just being a douchebag and, right. and and uh so you know i found 
I still went to shows all the time and mostly um, started really hanging out with uh, the, the Philly world, like uh, Kid Dynamite right. and, and Eamon and that, that whole world. Whenever they would come to town, we hang out, do photographs. Right. Um, I would really do whatever Tim and Darren asked for, uh, for photography-wise. You know, Got uh, it. Because Tim and Darren were good friends. And of course. They were always, they always had my back, so I would do photographs for them. And you know, Sorrent and I married, bought a house, and... Um, how long, you guys have been together, how long at that we, point? We were together... Besides the hiatus, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got married in summer of 99. Okay. And we had been together since 92. Okay. With a couple year hiatus. So, right, right, you know, right. For a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. So adult life. Sure, sure. Um, and so we, we were to be married in July. We were married in July. But right. She was diagnosed with stage one, stage two, stage one breast cancer in May. Got it. And young and... Young and devastated, but also young and strong. Sure. So we were like, all right, do it. Yeah. Bring it. Of course. Um, we had friends who had gone through this experience. Right. And had come out on the other end. Mm -hmm. And we were in the nation's capital, and she was working for an organization that was run by women. So everybody was very supportive there. Yeah. And they... They would never count her out when she had to leave for treatment. And see that that like in, in hearing about your story and like obviously like you know we're not going to delve too deeply into it because obviously it's been said other places. That's the one thing that always struck me is like you feel you know people obviously immediately equate corporations as being evil and like you know there are a lot of examples with that. Mm -hmm. But then it's like when you actually do like that story of obviously like how AOL was like no we will take care of you right. and it's like you hear that and you're just like. That's fucking awesome. Right. Like, that's the way it should be. And obviously, it's not always well, like that. I don't know how it is now. Right. That's how it was during the boom years. Of course. Because that was during the pinnacle of when online yeah. meant something. Now, right. everybody's online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. But yeah, no, I was always, I, I just, uh, I love, I mean, anytime you hear stories about that where it's like, you know, workplaces stand behind their employees from that perspective, you're just like, you know, that's the way that it should be as opposed to just like, oh shit, like, who's going to get your work done? Like, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, we we, we attacked it yeah. and um, got married. And two days after we were married, she started treatment, and we we're like, "Let's do it, bring it." Yeah. Uh, and we we defeated it. Well, we thought we defeated right, it. Right, of course. Had treatment, um, had radiation, surgery, uh, and went on with life. Yeah, I started yeah. To I started to you know shoot more sure. and see more shows, um, and start learning flash and applications like that and, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Ra random like early sure. 2000s adaptive to technologies right, exactly. yeah uh, and i remember and then um you know we'd go for checkups all the time and everything was fine yep but one one particular checkup they found something right and it was it was had spread to her her uh her pure kidneys and that's hard that's of course it's a hard uh one to come back from Right, right. So we we fought it aggressively. We fought it with uh, experiment, experimental treatments, and yeah. living within walking distance of NIH uh, allowed us to use some of their doctors and some of their ideas and sure everything. Cancer is the only organism that it that's in your body that figures out what's it what it's being fought with. And it adapts. And adapts. Yep, and it's. 
devastating. It's genius, but it's devastating. Sure. So we would find something that worked for a while yep. and then stop. Right. And then we did this for a while. Sure. Uh, um, and then eventually, the 24th of December, yep. and Sorrento was like, you know what? We were in the Russian River Valley in Northern California. We were there for Christmas. Sure. We just wanted to get away from the world. Of course. Uh, and she's like, when I get back, I want to stop treatment. And I was like, all right, it's, that's, I can't talk you out of it. I won't even try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I understand. And, and at, to a certain point, you be, it becomes about quality. Quality of life. Quality versus quantity. Of course. And at that time, she wanted a quality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and within 13 days, she was dead. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, but I mean, that was like that. She had 18 days of her on her terms. Right. And she, yeah, she's not, she's not living, she's not living it as a quote unquote victim. She's living it as less like, you know, like I've, I've accepted this. Like we've tried, like it, everything that you logically could have done, like you did. And I was like, well, that, that is what it is. Um, and then obviously it you know, taps into what we were talking about at the very beginning of the conversation where obviously you, you do things on your own terms. And obviously like watching, you know, Shirts for a Cure expand, like just, you know, from my perspective, like from the outside looking in, um, you know, you, you did something that no one was doing, like straight up, like no, no one had the idea to, you know, take something that is, you know, essentially a nonprofit and be able to, you know, like work within the music scene that you've grown up with. Um, and like, I look at where things are at now. And like, obviously, I mean, you know, I work for a nonprofit, like clearly, like there is competition. Like I find it, 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 to me, it frustrates, I mean, because obviously I, I've got no stake in the game in regards to, like, I didn't start PETA. Like, <laughs> I, I just work for them. But, like, seeing the way that so many other organizations, um, some a lot of them start, you know, just, they, they may start from noble ideas, but you just, you know, you feel very, uh, they like, become, there's... They become machines. They, they, right. They lose, they lose focus. Yeah. And... I mean, you. I'm sure you notice that. I'm sure you oh, and, see and that. I can rattle off a list, but I don't care. Because, no, because we, we do what we want within the legal terms, right? And we know, we know the legal definitions. We do an audit every year, right? And outside uh, auditors check our books. Sure. So everything that we do is on the up and up, but we also do it the way that we want to do it, right? And we're at the size that we are because I want to be there. We could be we could be huge. We could be bigger than Keep It Rest, but we don't want to be. Right. Because we can't keep it on our own terms then. And, and other people start dictating because there's more money involved. Right. And so how many, how many people like work with you for you on? Well, um, there's only one person who works for me. Got it. Um, Katie Brown. Got she's it. our chief, chief operating officer, if you want to put her term Right, right. CEO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or she's just the woman who does everything. I'm like that. Um, right, right, right. And and she uh, she's actually well, she's becoming full time November first. So by the time this airs, she's full time. That's cool. And and I never wanted to have a full time employee because of the stress that, that's involved in that. Right, because the boss and nature. She have to make payroll. Yeah, and have to make sure that her money is there every month. Right. Um, but we're at a point that I feel that we can do it. And right. Right. Regardless, and I also feel that I'm at a point in my personal life that I need someone to do certain things that. I no longer have the energy to do it. Of course. 
Um, I, I have, I've never been a person who can take money from the foundation, so I still have a day job. And that's just because of who I want to be. I, mm -hmm. I don't want to convince someone to give me their 14 bucks right. for a cool shirt and spend more than half of it on my salary. I just can't do that. Yeah. That's not who I am. Other organizations feel that they can do that. Of course. Fine. More yeah, power yeah. to them. Right, right. Um, but it's just not who we are. Uh, so I, um, so we, we do, I run the foundation the way that I, I would want a foundation run if it wasn't run by me. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. also, and also we, we do what feels right. Mm -hmm. You know, if I want, if, when we wanted a Swisher, I wanted to talk to Jason, got a Swisher. You know? Right. Sure. I know that we're going to sell 14 a year. Right. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. We have a Swiss shirt. Right. We have a Fury shirt that less people will buy. But right. we also have seven shirts from My Chemical Romance. Right. Because they're awesome people. Yeah. It doesn't matter how great their band is. They're awesome people. Of course. And a lot of people like their band. Yeah. So they buy the shirt. Of course. And, and same with Rise Against. Yeah. Or the best dude you'll ever meet in your life. Right. And all, and apparently a lot of kids like their band. Yeah. So it, it, it and it, it, again, it's, it's about, at, at this point, it's about my personal tastes or my contacts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's willing to give us the right to their likeness for X amount of t-shirts without much hassle? Right. If it's a hassle, yeah. we won't do You're it. You're like, hands are washed. Because at a certain point, we, we just don't need it. Right. And, and sure, maybe financially we would like to have that. Of course. But it's not who we are and how we started. Right. You know, Everything we do is DIY. Yeah. And and that's how we started and that's how we want it to be. Right. And and if we have to fold the organization because it we can't be DIY, then that would be sad. But we also would do it because it's who we are. You know, it, it's I hate to say it, it's it's punk, but it is. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it you know in punk rock but in punk, the term in punk rock is about fucking up the industry from the inside. Of course. And that's, we're not trying to fuck anything up, but we're trying to do the right thing the way we want to inside a big machine yeah. that is not doing the right thing anymore. Well, see, and like, I, I, you know, sort of to wrap things up and in conclusion, like the, you know, something that I've always noticed and like I, you hit, you said it just so succinctly where it's like, you, you change things from the inside. And the idea that obviously, like, you know, as the independent music nature or independent music culture grows to where it's like, you know, it's essentially mainstream at this point and everybody knows about it in some way, shape or form, um, that a lot of people aren't exposed to causes, nonprofits, like all those type of things, uh, unless it's packaged appropriately or, you know, like, but the fact that those things need to exist in order to like, you know, your organization can obviously inspire a kid that, you know, 10, 15 years younger than you and I to be like, oh, like, I can do something around this, like, because I've experienced this, you know, this you know, the disease, whatever the case may be, whatever cause they want to, you know, strike up. Um, and it's like the, the, I guess the question I'm trying to get at is like, the fact, like, how can you, you personally, for one, obviously still stay involved and not become, because it's easy to become jaded. Super easy to just, like, mm -hmm. fucking check out. Like, I mean, we see, so many of our friends have done that. And, like, mm -hmm. no fault from them, but it's right. just, like, it take, the older you get, the more work it is to be involved. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for you to, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the foundation is extremely important to you, and that's 
why you're attached to it. Um, but the fact that you could, yeah, like you said, you could just simply do the bands, like, you know, your, you know, Marginal Man t-shirt. Like, you could do, just do those things and be like, okay, this is just this thing and it exists. But, yeah, how, how, how do you not just, like, throw up your hands and be like, dude, I don't understand shit that's happening now. Like, <laughs> well, okay, yes. Yeah. But, you know what? When you write a check for 40 grand to do with, without any pretense to a, to a clinic in Chicago and surprise them and seeing, the, the, seeing what they're going to do with that money mm-hmm. and meeting, well, legally you can't meet the women, so I don't meet the women, but right. knowing the people who it's going to go for, the type of person it's going to go for, it makes everything worth it. Right. It makes that Iowa to, you know, Nebraska drive worth it. Right. It, it makes all of these, you know, going from Salt Lake to Cheyenne overnight in black ice. It's worth it because you're going to save someone's life in the long run. Right. Or you're going to make someone's life better, maybe for a month, maybe for ten years. But you're going to make someone else's world better. Right. My life is pretty awesome now, you know, and. I had a devastating thing happen to me, but it sounds like dorky self-help thing, but you take something bad and you make something good out of it. Of course. It. And I've done, I, well, I hope I've done that. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we have 300 bands out there that think that we're doing the right thing. Right. And we have more than 300 designs available. And, and now we've branched out into the comic world. And right. We're doing cons. And we're introducing ourselves to that new world and it's huge that world is bigger than this world could ever be totally and but we're bringing the same aesthetic to that i to that world we're still like this is who we are bring it or go away right and and what you know we we still it's very punk rock johnny x from the souls is one of our artists and he he's a comic book artist and he he brings us into that world and and we use him as an artist um, Gerard from My Kim um, is a comic book artist. We, yep. we use him as well. So we're we're using that this we're using our punk rock world into the con world, and it's working. Yeah, and and, and people are very receptive to what we're doing. Uh, so we're branching out as well. But right. It doesn't matter where we go and how we raise. Well, it doesn't matter how we raise the money, but it doesn't matter where we are. We we we, we are who we want to be, mm-hmm. and we use the money. We use the money to do the right thing, right? No matter what, right? The bottom line is, you do the right thing, right? And, and you do the right thing on your own terms of what feels obviously the best for you. Like it's funny because it's it's an altruistic cause, obviously, but it's very selfish in nature. If that makes sense, I like, like so. <laughs> and, and I have no apologies about that. No. You know, I this is who I am. Yeah. If you don't want to buy a shirt, that's fine. Right. Go support a different cause. And I don't care if you don't eat either. I'm not going to drill something down your throat. Right. We offer awesome shirts. Yep. If you want an awesome shirt without the cost, fine. Buy the shirt. Never look. Never think about it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fine. We'll use your money for good, good things. Right. You, if you really want to be involved, great. You can volunteer at some of our events and, 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 and really learn about what we want to do and then buy a shirt as well. Right. Um, so we'll take anybody, and and you know, yeah. There's not much more to say about no, that. No, no, not at all. It's it's this is who we are. If you don't want to, if you don't want to be part of our world, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But there's plenty. There's plenty of other things. Exactly. To be into. Right, 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 right. 
<laughs> well, I honestly, I really appreciate you hanging out and obviously course, awesome. opening up and getting. Because the thing I like the best about this is like obviously it's not you know sound bites. It's not you know question. Yeah. Tell me the answer. Answer. Now go. It, yeah, because it just gives people a better insight of obviously like why people do what they do. So. Sounds very NPR. Yeah. Oh, I'm NPR. I love it. Second time I've been called that. <laughs> There we go. Uh, got a little serious at points, but obviously anytime you're talking about cancer, uh, it has to get serious. But um, yeah, that was awesome. I really appreciate Mark coming up early in the morning for the fest. I think it was like 10 or 11. Um, and, you know, he pretty much stayed up until like 4 or 5 in the morning previously. So props to Mark. Props to Property of Zach. Props to all of you for checking it out. I don't know why I'm giving props, but... That's what I'm giving. So take them, soak in them, wait until next week. Another awesome new episode is going to come up. And uh, yeah, have a good week. Be safe, everybody.